At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Charlotte has gone north of the border. They'll take on the Toronto Raptors, first meeting between these two Eastern Conference rivals of the season just the second to last team remaining that the Hornets have not played yet this year I'm going to leave you in suspense just a couple moments longer until uh, you'll I'll reveal who it is but you can think about it maybe you can guess who the team is the Hornets have yet to see here in the 2021-2022 season we will be previewing tonight's game against the Raptors we're also going to be talking about what it means to be going back to a fanless environment obviously uh, different governments are handling the pandemic at this stage differently based off circumstances on the ground but it gives us an opportunity to reflect on what we worked our way through last season and how much we appreciate having the fans with us. It's something we never thought would go away prior to the pandemic and something we certainly appreciate even more as members of an NBA team now on the broadcast crew. Finally, we'll talk power rankings. One of the favorites here on the Hornets Hivecast. Helping me on all of these, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo. Back with us again, also producer extraordinaire of the HHC. Rob, do you know what the only team is that the Hornets will not have played remaining here after the Hornets take on Toronto tonight. It's the New Orleans Pelicans. There you go. So I want to start this podcast off talking about power rankings. Charlotte has been performing very well. They've won seven of their last nine games, have a chance to make it eight of ten with the win tonight. You are the guest, so you get to go first here. Where do you think the Hornets should be in the power rankings? Well, the only power rankings I looked prior to recording this podcast was the Athletics, so hopefully I don't stub your toe at all a little bit, but they were ranked, I think, 12th or 13th in that one, and I think that's pretty accurate. Conventional wisdom would say that if they are sitting in 7th place, you would have them around that 13 or 14 range, but considering that the Hornets have been really consistent the last couple of weeks and that the East is a much stronger conference than the West, I think you have to put them a little bit higher, so I would say... I'm going to put Charlotte at 11th this week. Ding, ding. We were looking at the NBA.com power rankings, and that is exactly where they have the Hornets right now, sitting in the number 11 position. There's an additional wrinkle to this week's NBA power rankings in that they're not just looking at where the team sits now, but also looking back at what the preseason wins projection was and reevaluating what the current win projection will be. Now, we did this exercise preseason as well. I believe you have the Hornets at 45 wins what was your choice at the start of the season yeah I believe 45 and 38 I want to say seven wins above 500 
and I think I was right around 44. I'll be honest, I'm in Canada now, and I don't have access to my notes that we used here, but seeing how the NBA has done this, it's a good opportunity to reflect as we're now past the halfway mark of this 2021-2022 season. The start of the season, NBA.com had the Hornets projected for 37 wins, 37 and 45 records, so they have them overachieving thus far this season. Let me ask you this. Where do you think the win projection is now that they have readjusted here based off the Hornets' results? I still think that they don't have a whole lot of faith in the purple and teal. I'm going to say that they're sitting around 40 to 43 wins. They actually have them at 45 and 37, but even that, I feel, is a little light because the Hornets, at this stage of the season, they have played seven more road games than they have home games, and the team is still five games above 500. That means they're going to play seven more home games than they have road games on the remainder of the season. That's less games. There's more rest between those games than the Hornets experienced in the first half of the season, so I think they're going to do a little bit better here than the three games over 500 that that the NBA.com projection leaves room for moving forward. And furthermore, I think that puts the Hornets in a really advantageous position uh, to move up on teams because home court advantage has really been significant for Charlotte. There are confusing teams out there. Philadelphia, for instance, they apparently have a road court advantage. They're 500 at home and they're doing very well on the road. But most teams are doing better at home. The, the big exceptions really are Philadelphia and Brooklyn right now. So Charlotte with these extra home games, has a chance to creep up on a team like Cleveland, let's say, who has played more home games than the Hornets have, or even a Milwaukee who, as good as they are, they're the defending champs, they're playing well. They have played five more home games than the Hornets have to this point. If they should falter on the road, there is an opportunity for the Hornets to creep up in the standings. And I think the other little schedule dynamic you need to take a look at here, too, is a lot of the opponents that are coming in the Spectrum Center over the next couple of months are Western Conference opponents that is very difficult, as we've already seen this season on two different occasions and in past years as well, traveling from west to east or east to west. It's really hard to win on the opposite coast. I mean, I go back and you think about that five-game losing skid that the Hornets had, the majority of those games coming out on the west coast, and then they were able to pick up a big one in Memphis on the way back. But vice versa, a lot of these teams from the Western Conference have to come in. We're going to see two of them next week, of course, the LA teams on Friday and Sunday later this week. But other than that, I don't really know what the rest of the schedules look like for some of these other Eastern Conference teams, but I feel like a majority of them still have to take their Western Conference road swings as well. So when you take a look at how the schedules match up, I'm sure this is something that we can dig a little bit deeper in on a different day and a different podcast, but I would be inclined to think that the Hornets have a little bit of an advantage that way as well that some people might not think of. Maybe a little, you know, the one team, I just got done saying how they've been such a better road team than home team, but Philadelphia does have a road stretch coming up where they'll go to the two LA teams and still have to visit Phoenix. A lot of teams have taken up some of their Western Conference trips. The one you might think of top of mind is like, hey, let's see what this young team does on the road, but Cleveland has already taken their Western Conference primary road trips. So, you know, it'll it'll be interesting. I think that the biggest games for Charlotte moving forward are certainly going to be ones against teams that are below them in the Eastern Conference standings at home. Games, quite frankly, like Atlanta, where they're winnable games. They're they're certainly not easy matchups, but games that you you certainly want to have in your back pocket if you're trying to creep up on a Cleveland, a Milwaukee, a Chicago, and all those teams that they're chasing right now. And then furthermore, the head-to-head meetings. Hornets have a couple of them left with Chicago, a couple left with Miami still, a couple left with Cleveland still. So there are opportunities here in this calendar for the Hornets to move up in the standings. But uh, I'll give you credit, Rob. You nailed the 
power rankings this week, 11 on the nose. That's where NBA.com has the Hornets right now. And just to, you know, just to, to give you the teams that were slightly ahead, let's say that you had said that the Hornets should have been a top 10 team. Are there any of the teams slightly ahead of the Hornets that you would jump Charlotte ahead of? The choices are, from NBA.com's power rankings, Chicago at 8, Utah at 9, Cleveland at 10. No, nah, that's tough. I don't think I could pull the trigger on any of those just because Chicago is still Chicago, but the Bulls are dealing with a lot of injuries right now. They're coming up on a pretty big road trip, I'm pretty sure, as well, where they're going to be on the road for a couple of days. Cleveland is that sneaky team that is just so consistent this year and so kind of out of the dark. No one really expected them to be much this year, but they've somehow, some way, found a way to be so successful, even though they've dealt with several very key injuries. But I don't think I can move. Charlotte into the top 10 right now if they were to win that game against Atlanta maybe I would reconsider but right now at this point in time I don't think I could put them in the top 10. I will do the same exercise for teams behind them. By the way, I agree. I, th- I think the Hornets are accurately behind those teams. You, you can't fault anything Cleveland's done. They've got the better record. They've had a-, a great run here. I don't see any reason to drop them behind the Hornets, even with Charlotte's really strong level of play as of late. Cleveland, quite frankly, has been playing well, too. In terms of the teams directly behind the Hornets, should any of them potentially be ahead of Charlotte? My choice is Dallas at 12, Denver at 13, Toronto at 14. Toronto is not a question. They're a 500 squad. They're going to have the head-to-head matchup coming up. They'll have a chance to prove it on the floor, but I don't think there's any reason to put them ahead of the Hornets right now. Denver is interesting. I think the fact that the Hornets won it head-to-head, especially on Denver's home floor, should give Charlotte a little bit of a boost there, so I don't think there's any egregious misplay there having Denver behind the Hornets. The one I do think should maybe be ahead of Charlotte is Dallas. Dallas won the head-to-head meeting. I know it was in Dallas, but nonetheless, they won. They won the game, did so rather handily, as I recall. And furthermore, Dallas is a hot team right now, just as the Hornets are. Dallas has won eight of their last ten. Hornets have won seven of their last nine. Similar records, uh, disparity home to road. Dallas slightly above 500 on the road. Hornets just one game back of 500. So I think that's the one spot I might flip it. So I guess maybe Charlotte should be 12th in the power rankings, but I'm not going to be too upset with the Hornets getting the nod there at number 11. All right, we'll do power rankings again next week. I know Rob can't wait for it. Coming up next, we'll reflect on last season, the circumstances we were all working in, and many of you at home were watching and listening in as the Hornets played in fanless environments. They're returning to that here tonight when they take on the Toronto Raptors. Talk about that next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. I'm not anti-aging. I'm pro-looking my best. Getting cosmetic surgery at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates has me looking young again and filled with the confidence I need to take on the day. From Botox to rhinoplasty to facelifts, Senta offers facial plastic surgery from specially trained eye and ENT doctors who are familiar with how all parts of the face work. Feel like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. It just makes sense. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Rob, before we get to uh, the the scheduled topic here, want to pass along this note. You might have seen Trey Young 
kind of as expected wins player of the week for the Eastern Conference. We thought going into the game the other day at Spectrum Center that the winner of that head-to-head matchup between the Hornets and the Hawks would end up getting the Conference Player of the Week, and that ends up being right. Trey Young, a 30-point effort, tied his career high for made threes in a game with eight. He was outstanding. He's very deserving. Miles Bridges ends up on the list of other nominees, and I feel pretty strongly here, Rob, if the performances were flipped, we would be talking about Miles Bridges bringing home his second Eastern Conference Player of the Week award. It's certainly possible, but you got to give credit where credit is due, and Trey Young had an absolutely great week, and again, that's one of those things that you just simply can't control. I mean, you control what you can control inside the room. You can't control Trey Young having a borderline career night against the Hornets with those eight made three-pointers, but you move on, and maybe down the future, Miles has another dominant week, and somebody else doesn't have quite as good of a week that Trey Young had this past week, and maybe he wins Player of the Week, so you just got to kind of put things into perspective and move on. Well said. Let's look back, though, for the moment. At last season, uh, Rob, both of us had our, our initial year, our rookie year in the NBA last season, and both came into the NBA with fanless environments. It was a, a very odd set of circumstances, to be sure. Uh, we're grateful that we were able to have the season, and I know a lot of fans talking to them. They were grateful as well. Certainly wish they could have been in the building, but better to have basketball to listen to on the Hornets Radio Network or watch on television than no NBA basketball at all. But now we're going to kind of go back to that here as Scotiabank Arena in Toronto is currently operating without fans. I've heard through the end of the month at the very least, uh, you know, we're wishing everyone well dealing with COVID-19 and hoping we'll get back to normal as a country, as a league, as a, as a world global population sooner rather than later. But it is an opportunity to reflect on what we went through last season. What is your major reflection from last season and maybe your appreciation of fans back in the stands this season. Just the environment, really. I mean, like you mentioned, us both coming in at the same time. Obviously, we've been to NBA games. We've been to sporting events in the past, but I really miss that atmosphere. A lot of times before the game starts, I like to walk around the concourse for home games and get a feel of the environment and just kind of watch warm-ups and soak all of it in because the NBA is truly a spectacle, especially when you compare it to other sports with the fanfare and the energy that's in the arenas night in and night out. It doesn't really matter who the Hornets are playing. They can be playing a bitter rival like Atlanta, or they can be playing a West Coast team that only comes in once a year and doesn't have a great record. It doesn't matter. It's going to have the same energy. It's going to have a similar energy night in and night out. And that's the one thing that I really missed about last season. Once fans started to come back into the arena, you feel that energy. The players talk about it a lot. James Borrego talks about it a lot, how they want to have a home court advantage. They thrive and they feed off of the fan energy. So it's just really nice to have that back this year for us. Unfortunately for Toronto, it's just not that case. And this is going to be a little bit different for you as well, Sam, because of course, you know, you called games in an empty arena last year at home, you know, when the Hornets had some teams come in here, but you didn't go on the road and see an empty arena as well. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how you feel, what it feels like in that sort of environment, because we already went through it last year, but we didn't go through it on the road. So that's going to be interesting from your perspective, I think as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Seeing seeing a road environment like this uh, will be odd. It's a little inside baseball here, but you know, as a broadcaster, I I always look at the fans as another member of the broadcast team, kind of kind of like an analyst. And when they're going crazy, even though on radio you can't let there be too much just people screaming in the background and not give the details of why they're doing it. But I like to let it linger for at least a second or two, so people can hear what that energy sounds like and the reaction of fans to what's happening on the floor and 
you know, to not have that was odd. Now, I, I do think we were at an advantage as rookies because talking to a lot of veteran NBA broadcasters, it was totally a foreign thing. And for us, we didn't know what normal was. So I think we had a little bit of an edge being rookies in that respect. But nonetheless, it's going to be a strange night tonight for the Hornets going into Scotiabank playing Toronto without fans. I'm certainly looking forward to having fans back in Toronto for our next trip next season north of the border and grateful just to be getting to go to Toronto. I mean, last season, if this had been the set of circumstances, we would have been in Tampa. Toronto's a great NBA community. They deserve to have their team playing in their home country. Their players deserve to play in their home city. So I I think this is better than what we had last year, and certainly uh, everyone's doing what they can to remain as safe as possible and and hopefully keep us on track to having an entirely safe and normal season next time around. All right, coming up next, it'll be time to preview tonight's game. The Hornets taking on the Toronto Raptors. Rob Longo, Sam Farber, back with you in just a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. We're not too familiar with them, and I'm not sure they're too familiar with us. We played this group before. You know, I think it's a similar scheme that we've seen against Toronto in the past. Obviously, it's a physical group. We know Fred Van Vliet's playing extremely well. You know, our guys have done a good job this year, Will, of being aware of the NBA, studying the league and making sure they're they know our upcoming opponent. And one of the things we talked about recently is just preparation, knowing, knowing our opponent, knowing the scouting report. So our guys are doing a really good job of studying the league, watching, you know, at night. I try to challenge our guys to watch the NBA league pass, you know, pick a game to watch at night, even for 30, 40, you know, an hour and just watch and learn the league. So, you know, we talked to our guys this morning a little bit about Toronto already. Our guys are aware of them. Our guys, you know, they have they have our full attention. We know they're playing extremely well. They're playing hard. They play aggressively. It's going to be a great challenge on the road tomorrow night, but we've played well in Toronto. You know, our guys have responded there well in Toronto, so I expect the same thing here tomorrow night. That was Hornets head coach James Borrego talking about tonight's matchup against the Toronto Raptors, and uh, he referenced something we, we kind of let off this podcast with, Rob, the fact that the Hornets have not seen Toronto yet. It's a little bit of an oddity, I guess, and at this stage of the season, you know, you're, you're kind of getting the quick version of all scouting reports, trying to, you know, get ready for a game every other night. You, you don't have a week like in college to really dive deep and, and get all the intricacies of a team, so you're, you're getting the cliff notes versions a lot of the times anyways but nonetheless I thought it was interesting JB talking about the homework assignment for players every day to watch some league pass it's kind of our homework too um, in the media crew or something we naturally do but this will be a, a fun matchup here first one of the season between the Hornets and the Raptors two teams that are probably overachieving at this stage Toronto picking in the top five last season I don't think people necessarily had them pegged as a top 10 team right now they're a 500 team as well at this stage and for the Hornets, as we just got done saying in the power ranking segment, most people had the Hornets outside of the top 12 from the NBA.com poll. Hornets certainly are well above those expectations. So before we pick our players and stats to watch, your thoughts on this matchup against the Raptors and some of the quotes we heard from head coach James Borrego. Well, I think it's really interesting that JB encourages everybody to kind of keep an eye on the league because not that you don't hear mixed messages, but you hear players talk about how they don't look at the standings. Well, if you're not looking at the 
standings and you're watching teams play, you would imagine who is good, who is not so good, who's struggling, and who isn't. So I just thought that was kind of interesting how it's a kind of a uh, contradiction in a sense with that said. But at any rate, it's really interesting that I think that the Hornets aren't playing an Eastern Conference opponent for the first time until almost near the All-Star break. That's just really bizarre for me. I think that Toronto hasn't ended up on the schedule for the first couple months of the season. But keep in mind, too, that the Hornets haven't been in Toronto since February of 2020 because of the way that the Raptors had to play in Tampa last year due to all the COVID protocols. And that's really something that's interesting. Again, there's no fans. So I guess the only thing that could be an advantage somehow is if there's a repeat incident of what happened when Phoenix went to Toronto and Devin Booker was a little upset at the mascot jumping behind him when he was shooting free throws. So hopefully it doesn't get to that point, but you never know. But an interesting matchup nonetheless. I thought that was more fun than anything, and uh, and Devin Booker ended up being a good sport about it, too, uh, at the end of the day as well. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, what that atmosphere is like with the Raptor mascot, mascots, I suppose, for this one here tonight. All right, you're officially the guest. You get to choose your own adventure here. We're going to pick a player for the Hornets, one for the Raptors, and a stat to watch as well. Rob Longo, you lead us off. Let's begin with player to watch for Toronto, and I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam. He is just a walking bucket this season. I mean, the last time that he scored in single digits was all the way back on November 18th, and that was when he scored four points on the road in Utah. He has been getting double digits ever since. I didn't sit down and average everything out, but he's consistently getting 20, 18. He's had some high watermarks in there of you know, 33. So he is just going to be a scoring threat. He's going to get his no matter what. He had 28 points and a loss to Portland on Sunday night. But other than that, I think that Pascal Siakam is going to be the player to watch. I know Fred Van Fleet is playing really well right now, but Siakam is going to be the one that's going to consistently hurt you. I don't think you can shut him down, but you're going to have to try to slow him down in some sort of capacity. Can't go wrong with a former All-Star. I'll go with the guy a lot of people are saying should be an All-Star this season. You referenced him already. Fred Van Vliet, the undersized two-guard, kind of the the Terry Rozier of this Toronto crew, uh, but with a little less help than Terry has. Terry's got a few more guys that he can lean on that have some experience for this one. Look, Van Vliet's been playing pretty well. He hasn't necessarily shot the three that well over the last week or so here, but he's still maintaining a scoring average of about 20 points per game. I think the key really for Toronto is seeing a more efficient Fred Van Vliet when he is shooting north of 40% from beyond the arc, and I, I know that over the course of a season, that's exceptionally hard to do. But on any particular night, usually a good shooter, if they're having a good night, they'll creep above 40%, especially a volume shooter like Fred Van Vliet. You look at some of their biggest wins. They had a stretch there to you know bridge the new year where they beat Golden State. He was 6 for 10 from 3. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks. He was 5 of 10. They beat the New York Knicks. He was 7 of 13. So a lot of their good wins, he seems to go off from 3. And as of late, they've lost 3 of their last 4. He He's had some less spectacular nights shooting the three. Their last game against Portland, 4 of 15 beyond the arc. Their loss to Dallas on the road, 3 of 15. Loss at Miami, 6 of 16. So even when he's scoring a lot of points, if he's not doing it efficiently, 
he might struggle or the team might struggle around him. So Fred Van Vliet, I think, is the focal point here today for Toronto. You can't go wrong with that pick either. So I completely agree with you. I was kind of teetering between Siakam and Van Vliet back and forth, but I think Siakam's going to be the bigger matchup problem. Hopefully the guard play can step up a little bit defensively for the Hornets to keep Van Vliet in check a little bit. But let's go ahead and move to players to watch for the Hornets. I'm going to go with Kelly Oubre. I know he's been struggling ever since coming out of health and safety protocols. He talked a lot about it after the game on Sunday about how he he simply just doesn't feel like himself. I mean, you know, he was sick. He's trying to come back and trying to find his rhythm. I mean, he had that 18-point game against Boston. Didn't shoot very well against Atlanta, obviously. But keep in mind, nobody shot very well against Atlanta. And he was kind of ineffective. He was 0 for 6 as well against OKC from beyond the arc. Of course, you know, the Hornets didn't really need his output on that night. But I think Kelly Oubre, this is kind of a game. This is his fourth game back from health and safety protocols. This is kind of the time where he can be rounding in the form a little bit, getting his feet back under him, getting his wind back. This is a good reset for Kelly after a game that on Sunday, of course, everybody was struggling, especially Kelly Oubre. But I'm going to look for Kelly Oubre to have a big game tonight. I'm going to go with the ball star, LaMelo Ball. I think he had, obviously, as everyone did, a frighteningly bad three-point shooting performance against Atlanta on Sunday. But he's had these before. He's a young player. He's bound to be hot and cold on occasion. And every time he comes off an 0 for night from 3, he seems to come up with either a solid or a spectacular performance. Now, it doesn't always mean a win, but it means for him the stats tend to have a bounce back. couple of examples. Wednesday, January 12th, the win at Philadelphia. LaMelo was 0 for 8 from 3. Next day, he comes back. He scores 23, well above his season average. Was against Orlando in a loss, but still, he personally had a nice bounce back performance. Rewind the clock further towards Thanksgiving. Hornets beat Minnesota, but LaMelo Ball 0 for 3 from distance, only scored 10 points. Next game out, he had a triple-double, 19, 11, and 13. Again, that wasn't a loss. It was at Houston, but it was an overtime game, and he did everything he could to keep the Hornets in it. A couple more here. These are better for you. Hornets beat the New York Knicks in early November, but LaMelo went 0 for 5 from 3. Next game, he comes back, goes 4 for 8 from distance, 21 points, and the Hornets defeat the Golden State Warriors. Early November, a loss at Golden State. They follow that up with a loss at Sacramento, but after an 0 for 6 game from 3 for LaMelo at the Warriors, he bounces back, scores 24 points, and has 13 assists against the Sacramento Kings. One last one, 0 for 5 at Miami in late October. Next time out, Halloween against Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. LaMelo goes for 27 points and 9 rebounds and was 4 of 9 from 3. So, LaMelo has shown a propensity for these bounce-back performances. I think he has one tonight here for Charlotte against the Raptors. Well, let's wrap it up with a stat to watch. You get to choose first. I am going to go with turnovers because this is a pretty big disparity, and this is why the Raptors are really hot as of late. They don't turn the ball over very lot. They're only third in the association in turnovers, around 12.5 per game, but they lead the league in opponent turnover percentage at almost 17. And one of the things that the Hornets had issues with on Sunday, of course, was turnovers that created a lot of fast break points for Atlanta. Of course, that's going to be a point of emphasis. It's always a point of emphasis 
emphasis for head coach James Borrego. So we're going to see what happens in that aspect. But if you can win the turnover battle against Toronto, I think you got a pretty good shot. So I was going to go field goal attempts because, as you indicated here, Toronto, first off, they're a bad shooting team. Okay, they're near the bottom of the NBA, bottom five team in field goal percentage. They're a bottom 10 team, lower third team in terms of three-point percentage and free throw percentage. They don't shoot it very well. The reason they're 500, the reason they get wins is they get extra possessions. They get extra shots. So I was going to go with field goal attempts to try and be all-encompassing, but because you referenced turnovers, well done there, Rob, I'm going to look to rebounding here. The Toronto Raptors are the number one offensive rebounding team in the NBA. They pull down 33% of available offensive rebounds. That means on a third of their missed shots, they get a second look at the cup. That's why they're able to win so many of these games despite shooting so poorly over the course of the season. So it is imperative on the Hornets to limit these extra opportunities. Toronto is going to cheat the passing lanes. They are going to crash the glass hard. Hornets have got to account for that. They cannot allow there to be a huge field goal disparity. And the two ways you account for that is one, the one you mentioned, turnovers, very accurate. The other one is limit the offensive second chance opportunities for the Raptors. Keep them off the offensive glass. If the Hornets are in an even strength shooting matchup with Toronto, even with the game they're coming off of against Atlanta, I like the Hornets odds in this one here tonight. All right, that's your game preview. You're all caught up and set up for tonight's contest between the Hornets and the Toronto Raptors. It's an important one. Charlotte right now in seventh place in the Eastern Conference. The Raptors are right behind them. They're within three games. While the Hornets, for the moment, are closer to sixth than they are to eighth, that might not be the case if Charlotte falls tonight. So an important game for the Hornets. Hope you'll catch it with us. Myself and Rob Long will have you covered on the Hornets Radio Network starting at 7 o'clock. Travis T-Bone Hancock and Kyle Bailey have pregame starting at 6 on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ. And of course, you can always watch the game on Bally Sports Southeast with the great Eric Collins, Del Curry, and Ashley Shamity having you covered. And uh, we look forward to that one tonight. Rob, great stuff. We'll talk to you in a couple hours here. Sounds good. Thanks, Sam. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. For Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.